You are listening to One Love Podcast. Wake up with a smile with your host, Disco. Oh, you know what time it is. It's your 30-second wake-up call. Time to rise and shine. Woo! Wake up, guys. Wake up. Toronto and good day the rest of the world I'm so happy to be in your ears right now you are listening to one love podcast and this is espresso with love where we hope to jumpstart your day with a little energy a little fun and a lot of love how is everyone feeling this morning Amazing, guys, being off the air for three days really felt like a week. I'm so happy to be back on, and I'm so excited as we have a very special episode with our second guest on Espresso with Love. But before I get into that, it was an action-packed weekend as, again, us Canadians had the day off yesterday. There were some awesome fireworks displayed throughout the city of Toronto in celebration of Victoria Day. And if you haven't heard or didn't watch, there was a pretty big wedding that also happened over the weekend. And while it's personally not my cup of tea, see what I did there? In terms of like the importance in my life, there is a beautiful clip of Pastor Michael Curry who gave an incredible sermon during the wedding, which I hope you guys will appreciate. Have a listen. There's power in love. Don't underestimate it. Don't even over-sentimentalize it. There's power, power in love. If you don't believe me, think about a time when you first fell in love. The whole world seemed to center around you and your beloved. Oh, there's power, power in love. Not just in its romantic forms, but any form, any shape of love, there's a certain sense in in which when you are loved and you know it, when someone cares for you and you know it, when you love and you show it, it actually feels right. There's something right about it. And there's a reason for it. The reason has to do with the source. We were made by a power of love. And our lives were meant and are meant to be lived in that love. That's why we, were, we are here. Ultimately, the source of love is God himself, the source of all of our lives. There's an old medieval poem that, that says, where true love is found, God himself is there. The New Testament says it this way, beloved, Let us love one another, 
because love is of God and those who love are born of God and know God. Those who do not love do not know God. Why? For God is love. There's power in love. There's power in love to help and heal when nothing else can. There's power in love to lift up and liberate when nothing else will. There's power in love to show us the way to live. Set me as a seal on your heart, a seal on your arm. For love, it's as strong as death. But, but love is not only about a young couple. Now, the power of love is demonstrated by the fact that we're all here. Two young people fell in love, and we all showed up. Now, love is the only allowable extreme in this world. Whether you believe in God or not is irrelevant to the point, because no other viewpoint than that of love can be taken to its fullest measure. Love is the only solution to almost all of the world's problems. And while this solution seems so easy, because I know we all have so much love to give, why is it that we don't see it on our conventional channels of media? Well, that's another whole topic on its own. But it's definitely a great introduction to our special guest today. He is the former singer-songwriter of R&B group 3D, discovered by none other than Grammy Award-winning artist Pharrell Williams. And he's now author of his new book titled, Remind Me to Think, The Genius Behind Crazy. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mr. Jermaine Tolbert. Jermaine, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today on Espresso with Love. Brother, I am forever grateful that you reached out to me and shared your story. I was captivated by the first chapter in your book. I really look forward to reading it in its entirety. And Jermaine, I've done my research, brother, but if you don't mind, I would like for you to share uh, with our audience your story, where you're from to where you're at right now, because I think they're really going to appreciate your incredible journey. Yeah, all right, absolutely. Um, I'm from Detroit, Michigan, born and raised. Uh, I'm number nine total of 10 children that my parents had. Uh, grew up in church my entire life. Um, my mom is a preacher minister. Uh, my grandfather is, or was rather, a pastor, preacher, minister. Um, my mom actually named me after my great uncle, who was a prominent preacher in Detroit, Michigan, who actually founded an organization, an international organization uh, called the Pentecostal Churches of the Apostolic Faith, known as the PCAF. Uh, and so actually, you know, from, from day one, you know, I've always had affirmation from mom saying, hey, you're going to be great. Uh, you know, when you, were, when you were in my stomach, God told me to name you after your great uncle uh, and the torch would be passed to you. So I always had that in the back of my mind. Uh, I began uh, my interest in music probably at like age seven. Started playing piano by ear. Uh, my dad plays piano. All of my uncles are musicians, multiple instruments. Uh and so, you know, that was that was that was the start of my 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 musical inclination, uh, probably towards 
maybe middle school or high school or really uh, by the age of like 16 I'd actually started singing actually at age 16 was really when I really started singing which is pretty odd for most singers you know most singers probably start when they're very very young but I literally got going at probably 16 years old uh, and it was it was so so kind of weird because out of nowhere you know I just came up you know to the surface singing and even my family member my own siblings you know friends are like where in the world did you get even get the talent from how to and why are you just now doing it? like what is this how are you singing I think it was weird for a lot of people um and so yeah I started a group situation in my high school uh, it was four of us uh, we had an opportunity to to go ahead and become a group or actually it's, it's funny because we 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 really were just exploring with these gifts and talents that we had never really you know kind of I don't know, knowing how, how huge, you know, it could be for us in the long run. We just were having fun with one another, you know, enjoying each other's company and just kind of practicing on music after school. Uh, we, we did a talent show at our high school. We, we took first place. We sang the hit Slowly by Tank. Amazing. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. Uh, this, this same particular group, uh, we actually... To a couple of my friends, they had connections with uh, the, the singer Mario, uh, the R&B singer Mario. Yes. Um, uh, he, he had just put out Just a Friend, the song or the album and, and the song Just a Friend. And they had connections with his manager. And Mario was in town for a tour. Uh, and his manager called my friends and said, hey, we're going to be at, at a McDonald's doing an autograph signing. Why don't you and your group come up here and sing? So wow. it was out of out of nowhere, yeah, it's crazy. Must, yeah, so, so we we all get into a car and and we 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 go into the McDonald's and we sing for Troy Patterson uh, right outside the McDonald's play place. Troy loved it so much that he actually came to my friend's basement the day after uh, to to hear more songs that we had written. And, and you know, so he's sitting on this dingy sofa in his dingy basement, you know, while we're singing our hearts out. Yeah. And after we get done, he let us know, like, you guys definitely have talent. Um, uh, you know, when you actually become a group, it's like get, it's like getting into a marriage, you're signing with one another and then signing with me as the manager. So you guys want to make sure that you're actually you know, ready for this and you, you actually really, really want this and devoted to it. And so uh, we kept in contact with Troy Patterson for for quite a while, things things just kind of you know faded, you know just dissipated, didn't really come to nothing. Like I said, we we really were just having fun. We actually made up a group name just for that moment. Like we were just singing together. We hadn't even come up with a solid group name, but we just made up something for him to come to our basement. Sure. Um, and so so that was that. I ended up going off to college, uh, kind of forgetting about music. Uh, I think on, on, a, on a practical level, but I think in my mind, it was definitely still within me. And so I, I was in college at Eastern Michigan University uh, just for like a year and a half. And I came out early uh, due to some financial aid stuff or whatever. Uh, and so I, after I got out, I called a few of those fellows that I used to sing with in high school. And, you know, I, I asked if they actually wanted to become a gospel group. Um, by this point, I had grown into, you know, the, the type of person who loved, you know, to pretty much serve God and to, and to you know, to do what, what I felt like God was leading me to do. And I wanted to do gospel. And l- luckily, those same fellas, they, they became those type of individuals as well. And so we got into a group where we became a gospel group. 
And this time, you know, we're like, let's really do this to pursue it as a career. Like, let's not just fiddle around with these gifts. Like, let's really, really go after this. And we decided to. We actually became, uh, the, the name of the group was Forever Grateful. We were managed and overseen by uh, the legendary Mitchell Jones from uh, the, the gospel group Commission, the same group that Fred Hammond has come out of, the same group that Marvin Sapp has come out of. Uh, and so we actually were probably like three or four years into doing some great and amazing things uh, as a group, a gospel group, traveling to different states or whatnot. And uh, we actually disbanded. Uh, there were some paths that, you know, certain individuals wanted to take and we just kind of disbanded. And, and that was that. Uh, and then at that moment, I actually became a solo artist. I decided I, I wasn't going to stop, you know, my, my for motion and music. This is what I wanted to do, regardless if a group was attached to it or not. I wanted to do it. And so uh, I actually ended up, I got a producer and started doing my own solo gospel music. It was like cont- contemporary Christian music or whatever. Yes. Uh, a little bit, it was a little edgy, but nonetheless, it was still gospel. And I remember putting up a few songs on MySpace. This was a platform at the time where it was kind of booming and this is the place to be and put, put your music out. Uh, I put a few songs on MySpace and a guy contacted me from Atlanta. Uh, he goes by the name Frame, uh, who actually was the manager for an R&B and hip hop group by the name of Hamilton Park. Yeah. Uh, who, whom later, who later I actually went on tour with, the Scream tour with, with Jacob Lattimore and Mindless Behavior and OMG Girls. And, and that was pretty fun. But so uh, he heard my music. He contacted me. We started, you know, communicating. He essentially became my manager. Uh, he actually were, you know, he was interested in me actually getting into his group, Hamilton Park, but I really didn't want to get into a group at the time. I was like, I just got out of a group. <laughs> I really don't want to put my, um, put, put my future into someone else's ambitions and their work ethic. Cause I, so I just dealt with, you know what I mean? And I wanted to do something on my own where only I could affect my four emotion through my you know, dedication. And so he understood and um, he, he still he, he still was interested in me as an artist. And uh, so then, he, he, you know, we started talking about me actually becoming an R&B solo artist. It was difficult for me to, to, to choose that because I had already you know, developed into that that gospel role or whatever. Uh, but nonetheless, I chose the role to, to go down the R&B route. Um, and so um, we actually came up with uh, uh, we I went by the name Nate Calloway as, as a. Uh, R&B artist, yes. uh, like like I said, my name is Jermaine Tober. Everyone calls me Nate from day one. My mom, everybody calls me Nate or Nathan. It's my middle name. Uh, and then uh, my manager, he he called me one day and said, "Hey, what do you have you heard of Cap Calloway?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I've heard of Cap Calloway. He's in our Black history. You know, he he broke a lot of barriers for Black musicians to come through and to you know to be successful in." And so he was like, well, what about what if we what if we use, you know, your, your, the name that everyone calls you, Nate? And then what if we you put Callaway at the end of it just to pay homage to Cap, Cap Callaway? And why don't we use that as an artist name? And I, I, I kind of chewed on it for about a week. And I was like, wow, actually, this kind of sound a bit cool. I, I like the ring to it. Nate Callaway. Yeah. And so that Nate Callaway was born. And then I was I was that I was a solo artist by Nate Callaway. Um, so I did my solo thing as an R&B artist for maybe three to four years again. It's funny that three to four years span has kind of just been sticking, but it is what it is. Uh, and so uh, my friend Jay Drew at this moment, you know, now I'm actually gaining steam in my own hometown of Detroit. Uh, 
and Atlanta, both, you know, kind of flourishing with my name out there and in, in, in ethos. Uh, and my friend Jay Drew, he had just signed to Pharrell as a in-house producer. Uh, his first in-house producer was Star Trek Entertainment. Yes. And he and Pharrell had a conversation. They wanted to start a group. And John, my, my friend Jay Drew, and also Jay Drew is the son of the legendary Karen Clark Sheard of the Clark Sisters, whom Jay-Z actually just uh just uh, sampled their song on his last album, 444. Uh, and so, so he calls, he's like, yeah, I've talked to Pharrell. He's going to start a group. You got, you want to do it? I'm like, well, sure. Yeah, let's do it. You know, I, I knew that that was only, you know, going to help me, you know, further where I was already doing as a solo artist. So he called me and another friend of mine uh, and we became a group with three of us. We went by the name of 3D uh, and we were, you know, kind of really, really getting things going. Uh, we were working on our music in the studio and, you know, Pharrell was getting everything on the back end ready for the signing and ready, you know, for, you know, that journey we were going to take. Um, it's so funny because maybe uh, shortly after the recording process with 3D, I actually got introduced to marijuana for the first time. I was at a party, uh, just wanted to try it or whatnot. And I literally, from that moment, smoked marijuana every single day, nonstop, every day, for like seven and a half months straight. Uh, and, and it was probably towards like the seventh month where I began to feel different. I began to think differently. Uh, my senses became hypersensitive uh, to, to a lot of things uh, and just noticed something was a little, little bit different. Something was a little off. Um, and actually, within that that period of waiting, you know, the waiting period of actually signing under Pharrell Williams, I actually ended up getting uh, admitted into a mental institution, uh, stayed there 10 days and got a diagnosis of schizophrenia and depression. Uh, and that, that's where, you know, I guess that the journey kind of took a took a turn uh, at that moment. I had no idea what happened. I had no clue, you know what it was that was going on and why it showed up in my life at that particular moment. But I had to figure something out. I couldn't continue to move forward, you know, dealing with, you know, knowing that I'm, I'm like kind of spacey mentally. I'm, I'm not really there. Uh, and so I decided to step away from the group and music. I, I just I, I just walked away. I just wow. actually let them know I couldn't actually continue further along. And I had to get myself in order, man. Yeah. Wow. And how old were you, sorry, at this time? Uh, let's see. I was uh, about maybe 25 or 26. So 25, 26. And up until that point, growing up in Detroit, I actually used to live in Windsor right across the street. Um, you didn't try marijuana or anything like that until you got into your mid-20s. Right, right. Interesting. Interesting. Yep. <clears throat> awesome. Yeah. So really, really crazy. So now, yeah, now you're at the uh, basically a big turn in your life, or a big, at least a big realization in your life of uh, where all the work and effort you've put in up until this point, and now, and now what happens? Yeah. Well, so um, I, it took about five years uh, for me to to really get over the hump mentally, to get back to mental adroitness, back to a place where I'm optimal in my mind. Uh, and it was, it, to me, that five years was, was excruciating, man, grueling. It was, 
man, I just can't really explain how difficult that, that, that time was. I had to separate myself from everybody, from friends and, and from family. I was re- really like off into a corner, just trying to, you know, figure out like, Nate, how did you get here? How, how did, how did we end up in this situation? Like you're so far removed from your, your dreams, your passions and your goals, which was clearly music you know, where, where is life now? What are you doing? And, and I, I just, I just had to focus and get myself together, man. Um, it was crazy because, uh, the, the day that I decided to walk away from that group situation, uh, because I had to get myself in order was the same day. It was the craziest situation it was literally the same day where Jay Drew and my, my other group member, John, they called me so excited, going crazy. Like, Nate, Nate, it's finally happening. It's happening. It's going crazy. I'm like, what? I'm like, what? What's happening? He's like, he's like, Pharrell is about to send us all out to Miami. We're about to meet with he and Andre Harrell and get things, you know, together for, you know, us finally signing. So they called. This was like on a Monday. Wow. And they, we the, the plane was supposed to leave on that Thursday. And literally... I had to just kind of stop that whole operation right in his tracks. And I was like, yo, I'm sorry, guys. I actually can't get on this plane. Wow. I have some things going on. I was just in a mental hospital like a couple of days before that. I, they had no idea. I didn't even tell them that stigma, you know, they talk about with mental health is definitely there and it's real and it's strong. I was totally embarrassed that I was even in the mental hospital. There's no way in the world I was about to tell my friends that I was in a mental hospital. I just let them know, hey, guys, I cannot get on this plane. I'm sorry. I know this is our dream and it's finally here, but I have a lot of stuff going on right now. And I don't think this is the best time. I just didn't tell them what was happening. Um, but like I said, it took, so from that moment, it was like a five year stint of me trying to get back to optimal thinking, trying to get back to a place where I can see clearly, where I can feel normal. I didn't even feel like myself. I didn't feel uh, I, I just I, something was clearly, clearly off. Um, I was given medication coming out of the hospital. Uh, the doctors told me to take it for about a, like a 60 day period. Uh, and if I needed more than to get more prescription or whatever, I actually ended up taking the medication like to day 20 something. Um, I just didn't want to associate myself with that medication, nor did I want to associate myself with the diagnosis itself. itself. I, I didn't want to believe that that's what that's who I was because I was never that up until that moment. There's no way that I could be something that I wasn't, you know, before. And that that's 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 what I was telling myself. That was my rationale. And I, I totally, you know, enveloped myself into you know prayer, meditation, reading my Bible, you know, getting centered with with our Creator, God. And uh, that that was a big key for me. Um, and then I got a hold to something that we all, you know, been taught since day one. And now it's more easily accessible, you know, than ever. And I think it's knowledge. Knowledge totally shifted and transformed my vision, transformed my mind, totally renewed me fully. And this is this is why I've overcome. This is how I've been able to overcome. And now I actually am on the other side of this diagnosis. Uh, and uh, obviously right now I've just written a book about my experiences, what helped me, what cured me, the things that I do to, to stay um, mentally healthy uh and and it's just the book is just to kind of help people 
you know, who's dealing with certain things, who's dealing with, you know, something similar to mine, mm-hmm. or even just the average, the average professional, you know, who, who don't seem to, to, to bring into fruition that life they see for themselves, who may be lacking in focus, lacking in intentionality. Um, I just give uh, actionable advice and steps to, to really hone in, you know, on that focus that we need to, to, to accomplish things that we want to accomplish. No, that's, and that's, uh, that's like, the past five minutes, even though I already know the story, like hearing it now from your voice, it's, it, you know, you got to take it in because um, a lot of people, most people in life dream for epic moments and epic opportunities to be presented to them. Now, um, myself included, and uh, to be able to be now uh, confronted with that opportunity and have to turn it away. Um, and it seemed like you were able to do it like quickly, like that took a lot of courage that you didn't take your time with it. And you just, you knew there was something wrong and you push back. And, um, guys, the book is called remind me to think the genius behind crazy and going into this first chapter, like the way you started off talking about, uh, medication and how, uh, most, if not all doctors who, uh, you've either come encountered with or in general who prescribe these, uh, medications, uh, in relation to mental health. The odds are they've they've never actually taken it themselves, if I'm not mistaken. Right, 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 right. It's it's it's, it's crazy, man. It, it's like you know, so, so many so many uh, professors of business out in the world who's teaching about business who never ever ran a business. That's crazy. I don't understand that phenomenon. That's what's insane. That's that's insanity, if yeah. you ask me. How can that be? And it's the same thing with these with these medications. How can you request somebody to take something that you yourself have never taken to even know what it is? Yeah. You know, when they when they when they do studies on and research on medications, they're using subjects. You know, yeah. so so everything, all all of their evidence or data is coming from something or someone other than themselves. It makes no sense. How about you take you put yourself on the medication and then you tell me how it went for you? Exactly. How can you? How could, I, I don't. I, I don't really get that. It's it's a phenomenon, truly. No, and and, and I, you know it's crazy because I have a lot of uh, similar viewpoints when it comes to, for example, things like this. But you know, I have never been in the position that you have been, where you really had to experience it to its fullest and then go through the process of getting the prescription, having to put yourself through it in terms of actually taking the stuff and now being able to spit out your opinion, which I totally agree with you 150% without even having to try the medication, you know? And it's really hard for a lot of us who've never been in those situations who have these feelings because I feel like it's logical at the end of the day. Like it, it, there's no logic yeah. behind prescribing something that you have no clue what it is, what the effects are and what it could potentially do to someone, let alone think that uh, one drug is like a one size fits all. And anyone who has this type of issue, this one magic pill is going to somehow help you deal with your problems. Yeah. Yeah. And so check this out, right, man, this is crazy. Cause I wrote it all in the book. I did, I did massive research on so many psychiatrists who are totally against the, the psychoactive medications that they are giving patients. They actually say that these are experts, by the way, yep. this is not me. They say that it's much more harmful for these people to be put on this medication than any, any good that could ever do. And it's more even it's even more dangerous for the patients to come off of the medications now that because they become so codependent on them. You try to strip it away 
And now they actually walk into suicidal thinking because they were so attached to this thing. And that, that's only just one aspect. So, so th- this term uh, chemical imbalance, you know, we hear it all the time. Oh, you know, you have to take this because you have a chemical imbalance. Well, guess what, my friend and friends listening? Yep. There is no such thing as a chemical imbalance. This is not Jermaine Tober's words. These are, these, these are my researching from true psychiatrists. They said there's no such thing as a chemical imbalance. Let's, let me tell you where it actually came from. So there's a company called Eli Lilly. Okay. Eli Lilly is the biggest manufacturer of medications, of, of psychiatric medications worldwide. They're in 125 out of the 195 countries here in the entire world. Yeah. And so what happened was, I don't know if you guys remember, there was a drug called Prozac way back in the day like in maybe the 70s or something, Prozac came out. Uh, so first of all, the FDA had not even approved this drug yet. They made the drug, and immediately Eli Lilly, who was the founder of Eli Lilly Company, he sent out his whatever, you know, his, his consultants or whatnot into yep. the world and into the media, and they started saying, hey, you have this order, you have this disorder, you have this you have a chemical imbalance and Prozac is going to fix it. So a chemical imbalance, that term was a PR claim. It's never been scientific. It's never been anything other than I have, I have, I have a a product and the only way to sell my product, I'm going to call something a chemical imbalance. It was, it was a marketing claim. That's it. It was a marketing scheme. It was never anything that was real. And so once the meat, once anything, so we're so, we're so dumb as a people, yeah. not understanding the, the control that media has been having on us since we were literally born. We've been put in front of a TV, in front of a radio from birth and everything that we hear and see from it, we automatically think that it's real and it's true. And so you got these people on TV saying chemical imbalance, chemical imbalance. Now the entire planet has picked up the term and they're calling other people and saying that these people have chemical imbalances where well, I put it into the book. And these are, like I said, these are not my words. This is my research and study from psychiatric experts. There is no such thing as a chemical imbalance. The only thing that is a true chemical imbalance is when somebody is putting, you know, getting on these drugs, that's when the chemical comes in and, off and puts you off balance. Yeah. That's the only chemical imbalance there is, is when you begin the medications. It's crazy, man. No, it's, it's, and again, like it makes 100% total sense to me. And I don't mean to go off topic, but that's exactly how I feel about chemotherapy as a, as a method when people in terms of dealing with cancer and stuff like that, like in 50 years, we're definitely going to look back at this time and be like, wow, government took advantage of people. No problem. Like so easily. Right. And like you said, we're, you know, for the most part as a society, there's a reason why there's a top like 1% or 2% and the rest of us are just in, in one big category. And it seems like, and it seems like, uh, especially in North America, we're a slave to media. We're a slave to that television. We're a slave to the internet and everything that's been presented before us. And in some cases like yourself, it takes extreme situations for you to be able to now go and say, whoa, I need to figure out what's actually going on here and um, yeah. and, and go after that and, and try to find the real truth, you know, um, without having influences from everything else around us that's telling us the exact opposite of what you truly believe in your heart. Yeah, man, if I, the, the going through what I went through was no joke. 
It was definitely painful. It was definitely the scariest moments of my life. But I can honestly say that I'm blessed to have gone through it only to be able to know what I know now, only to be able to be directed into a, 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 a pathway of seeking truth and of seeking knowledge. That's the only you know thing that I, I take from my situation. I've been afforded the grace, man, to really, really step into some powerful truths that I was so blind to. And you know, before this quote unquote mental illness or you know whatever, I was more mentally ill before it just because of my ignorance, total ignorance of everything that's actually happening. That's where my mental illness was. It was all in my ignorance. <laughs> long before I actually hit a hospital, long before I had a, any any episode. I can't believe you said that. Like that was beautiful. That's exactly it. Our ignorance, I like to think, is our handicap in general as a society. It's, Absolutely. It's not knowing. It's not knowing. And then worse than that, it's not taking initiative to find out on your own and hope that somebody else will somehow give you the answers that may or may not be true true um, that is definitely mental illness <laughs> <laughs> exactly uh jermaine so you know there there's definitely people listening that uh may be going through a similar situation as to what you have already gone through um what was the what was the hardest thing about th- those five years and i guess essentially what did you do to help you get out of that situation and be able to overcome that mentally the hardest part was probably genuinely getting rid of everything that I was involved in. My, my music, my relationships, you know, I had so many, you know, professional contacts, industry contacts, um, you know, that I just, I got rid of my phone for five years, man. That's like I insane. didn't have a phone. Wow. You know, most people will go crazy. Dude, I, I knew that, I knew that something happened within the scheme of everything and I couldn't pinpoint it. If you, if you gave me a million dollars to try to pinpoint it, there was no way it's like finding a needle in a haystack. And so when you have to do that, the only thing you can do is just disintegrate everything. I totally got rid of everything somewhere in there. I lied my answer. So let me get rid of everything. So the toughest part was, was just walking away from those, you know, communications, uh, and it's so funny because I, I learned so much through that. I was even dependent on that. Like it was a drug yeah, that's and I didn't realize it until stepping away. And at first it, I had withdrawals, you know, that those were I had withdrawals just from being in communication with so many different people and feeling like, you know, I needed to have that, you know, communication because, you know, a lot of people, you know, obviously I was kind of high in my notoriety. A lot of people were just, you know, yes, people and, you know, just kind of fanning the flames of, of this hype around me or whatever, you know what I mean? Yep. And so I got, I got, you know, kind of addicted to it really. Yep. And to, to be put, to be pulled away from it was like, man, like I'm, I'm missing something. I'm, I'm missing all the people calling me and wanting to hang out. I'm missing all of these so-called friends, blah, blah, blah. That was difficult at first. But like I said, as, as time went on through the five years, I'm like, and I was, like you said, sl- I was a slave to, to what I thought was popularity or what I thought was, quote unquote, making it or what I thought was success. You know what I mean? Oh, Stepping yeah. into that, you know, it, I, I just learned a ton, a ton. But but like you asked, that was a difficult part for me. That was really difficult, just stepping away initially. Yes. But once I once I got it going, I think the the harder part really just became 
really getting my, my mind back into order. Yeah, my mind would, you know, jump back and start thinking like, well, what if I just would have went on the plane anyway? Well, what if I, whatever, whatever. But I, I knew my, my mind wasn't in order. And so that second part of your question, you know, what did I do to get myself, you know, back to a mental adroitness? Man, uh, I have to reiterate this because it really is true. We, we hear that term, knowledge is power, so often. I really don't believe that most of us understand how powerful it really, really, really is. Like it really, really totally transformed my entire life. Uh, I, I was, I've always been an ambitious person, always been, you know, a go-getter. I was, I was online and I saw a video from a multimillionaire. Um, and he, he made a statement, a blanket statement. He said that the one reason that the wealthy are wealthy is because of one thing. And that thing is knowledge. And that intrigued me so much, man. I said, okay, wait a minute. All right. And so I started thinking about it. Let's take Mark Zuckerberg, who owns Facebook and the founder of Facebook. Yep. If, if anyone on this planet knew how to build Facebook or anything close to it, guess what? They would. Yep. So what does that mean? That means that Mark Zuckerberg knows knowledge. He, he has knowledge that the rest of us don't have. So that, 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 that statement became so very, very true. The wealthy are wealthy because they have knowledge. He has a knowledge base that the rest of us don't have. We don't know how to build Facebook or anything like it because if we did, we would. Yep. And so it is really just that simple and that powerful at the same time. Like it, it really is that. So at that moment of hearing that, I began to ingest myself with so much knowledge and information, you know, from, you know, business books to to all types of, you know, self-development books, all these things, character books, just just really, really, really digesting so much information and just taking it in, taking it in. And I noticed something, man, my 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 vision in my brain. You know, I'm, I'm calling it vision in the brain. Obviously, your brain can't see with yeah, the yeah. physical eye. My vision began 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 to become really, 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 really clear, and the lens from which I was able to see life through was able to to switch. And so, let's go to Albert Einstein for a sec. Yep. Albert Einstein says that education is not uh, the learning of facts, but it's only a tool to 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 have greater ability to think. So. Let's take a book like uh, The Selfish Gene. The Selfish Gene talks about, you know, how our sperm fought off every other sperm. And now we are here today because our sperm beat off millions of sperm and we made it and we're here. Yep. And so all of my depressive and negative thoughts that I could think about myself where it'd be like, uh, I'm not really loved or, you know, I get so much criticism from my family members, which I was, which, you know, kind of caused me to go into that depressive mind state and that, you know, that bubble. Uh, you know, all these all these thoughts that I could think about myself about not being important and just reading the facts of knowing that my sperm beat off every other sperm, guess what that 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 fact did for me? It it came it became a tool, and it, I was able to to leverage that tool to to learn and to know how to think better. And so ingesting that information, my mind came up with you know used that tool and rebuilt a framework for myself. And I started to know. I'm like, okay, wait a minute. If my sperm beat off every other sperm. That means it decided I was important. Hmm. I like it. That means 
it decided I was significant, I no longer have to keep associating myself with what I'm seeing based around my environment, whether my family members are criticizing my talent or whatever the situation, I don't have to see them any longer. The only, the reason why I'm here today, standing here, is because my sperm decided I was supposed to be here. It decided I was significant. So whether whoever is saying whatever, whatever I can think about myself in the most negative light, my sperm said I was I was supposed to be here. It, it said I was I was I was designed to be here. And so it just kind of dispelled and just really eradicated all my irrational and negative thoughts about myself. And so depression, bye-bye, you no longer exist yeah. because I know that I'm supposed to be here. I know that I'm significant and I don't need nobody to tell me. There's nothing that anybody can tell me to make me think, or even myself, there's nothing I can tell myself to make me think that I, I'm not significant because my, my literal existence says that I am. Dude, like that's, that's just it. Like being aware is is the most important thing but it, but it's not being aware like an ice bucket challenge where it's on social media and now I'm doing the same thing and I think I'm aware of the situation you know it's about yeah. going through that um like that, discovering the truth for yourself and making the effort that like you did to go and find and do the research and read the books and and find out if all the information's being served you is in fact legitimate and that's awareness and and, and I've gone through a very similar uh, situation like yourself and and I realized more than anything if anyone asked me what what helped me change the past five years it was 100% books 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 and everything yes, that I read and everything that motivated me to keep letting me know that the way that I am is 100% okay and I don't need to be a certain way or I don't need to do certain things and if I can just express myself like Bruce Lee always says to be able to truly and honestly express yourself is the key to life and is the success uh, or, or is what's going to need for us to have success in our own lives. And with that being said, Jermaine, I just, you know, in correlation with what the show is all about, um, going through everything that you have gone through and shared with us today, my question that I'm dying to ask you is, what do you do to wake up with a smile? Very easily, uh, very easily. Yeah, uh, what I do to wake up with a smile, man, when I first get up, <laughs> I'm I'm actually diving right into my goals. I'm diving right into to information and studying, and I think I'm the most happiest when I have a continuous influx of information to so that I can build my life on. You know what I mean? Like that that's really what what gives me a smile. I think I would be a miserable person if there was no information to go and grasp. If because if, I. I other than that, you know, we're really just kind of living off of a whim where we're just kind of, you know, you know, winging it. I don't, that for me, winging it, that's the worst. That's the worst for me. I can't wing it. So, you know, knowledge provides the GPS system that gets you from point A to point B. And not only does it do that, it actually tells you where to turn. It tells you how to get there. And so, you know, that, 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 that's what I do. That's, that's what keeps me smiling every day. I get up literally and I'm headed straight to my, my study mode on how to build my life, I how to build my today so that my tomorrow is actually stronger and bigger and better. I have my hands up the whole time you just said that because I'm just so I'm just so happy to hear that. Guys, the book is called Remind Me to Think, The Genius Behind Crazy. We will definitely put the links up uh, on social media. Jermaine is so generous. Guys, the book costs basically whatever you can donate. So 
please make the effort and please read through it. Again, I got through the first chapter and I absolutely loved it. I am definitely picking up this book. Jermaine, thank you so much for your time today. Like reading your story was truly inspiring and I hope we can spread love and awareness, uh, not just to the show, but to the world. Um, and just to let them know that there's definitely alternatives to prescription medication in enabling us as humans to be more efficient when it comes to dealing with mental health, brother. Thank you again so, so much. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you. Thank you. And I want to explain more uh, with the with the fundraiser that I have going. I yeah. know you just kind of yeah. mentioned it a bit. Yeah. So the, like, like you said, the name of the book is Remind Me to Think, The Genius Behind Crazy. I have a fundraiser going for the marketing and launching of the book. I wanted to, you know, when I actually published the book, I wanted to reach, you know, in, in maximum capacity, the people that it's supposed to, the people that the information is supposed to affect. I wanted to get there. I wanted to get to their hands. And so I, I'm looking for $9,000 total in funds so that, so that I can really properly market the book uh, once publication happens. And so anyone, the name of the fundraiser is Project Genius of a Schizophrenic. Anyone who donates anything, whether it be a penny or a dollar, it doesn't matter. I'm going to send the original copyrighted manuscript of the book and you could be amongst the first to actually read it. And I leave space, you know, to email me back and forth, you know, what you like, what you didn't like, what you thought I should be considering to put into the book. And so even by by publication comes by time it comes, you know, the book could change a bit just because of the feedback that I've gotten from, you know, you readers, you know, of, of checking out the manuscript and, and, you know, sparking some within me to even change it based on the feedback. And so that's how we're doing that fundraiser. Jermaine, that sounds incredible. And again, I'm going to do whatever I can to push this and help you with that. Um, I look forward to speaking to you again in the future. Um, we're definitely going to, yeah, we're definitely going to make this happen again. That's for sure. I, again, I can't be uh, more appreciative of you giving me your time today, brother. I know my listeners really are going to appreciate this little story that you shared with us. And again, guys, um, Jermaine Tolbert, I'm going to put up his uh, Instagram, Twitter, all this contacts is going to be on all our social media uh, for today's episode. Jermaine, thank you so much again, brother. I sincerely thank appreciate you, it. Absolutely. Anytime. Thank you. And I really appreciate, you know, you offering to donate. That means so much. Thank you so much, man. Done, brother. One love. Guys, what an incredible story and what a journey. I'm so happy I was able to share that with you. Don't hesitate to play that interview back and make sure you're able to get all the information and conversation that I had with Jermaine. And honestly, I am so looking forward to our thank you. That's right. We have a lot of new listeners on the show. And guys, at the end of this podcast, I am certain we're going to break 1,500 listens and I was at 588, I think, at the end of month one. So you already know what I'm grateful for. But again, for those new listeners, I like to incorporate into each podcast my thank yous. Not the Grammy winning type, but the everyday ones that, again, I've recognized are so important in an ongoing pursuit of happiness. Yes, your thank yous can literally be the same every single day. It's about being in a routine of showing appreciation and exposing more love to our planet. And so I'm just going to go first so you don't feel awkward. And then I'll ask you guys to participate. Today, I am grateful for the roof over my head and the food I had to eat. I am so fortunate to have family, even though it's a messed up one. And I'm so blessed for my amazing friends, 
especially those from around the world that I've been able to connect with through this amazing podcast. I love you guys. I am grateful to be able to wake up today and pursue whatever aspirations I desire and to be able to be kind to people without expectations in return. Thank you for today. That's it. Now it's your turn. Please just tell yourself one or two things. Like it could literally be one or two words. It does not have to be as dramatic as mine, but whatever you feel you should be recognizing. Ready? Today, I am grateful for... Amazing! Guys, today is going to be an incredible day! This is News in a Nutshell, where I just read off headlines you can either Google later or be glad I didn't go into detail about. Brought to you by One Love Company. In local news, police confirmed Monday afternoon that 16 horses were killed following a fire at Sunnybrook Stables in North York. Other than that, it was your usual stabbings and murders totaling around four or five over the weekend. In world news, a growing roster of nations condemned Venezuela's presidential election Monday and threatened to ramp up diplomatic and economic pressure on President Nicolas Maduro's, Maduro's, Maduro's already embattled government. And if you haven't heard what happened in the States over the weekend, let me set the tone. An outgoing and really funny student who blocked the door to try to prevent the gunman from entering the classroom. An exchange student who aspired to work in civil service and a substitute teacher who frequently hosted gatherings were among the 10 people killed at a Texas high school. At least 13 others were injured in the attack at the high school in Santa Fe, about 50 kilometers southeast of Houston. A 17-year-old student is being held on capital murder charges. We are now 20 weeks into the new year and the U.S. has had 22 school shootings i love you guys as a people but this can't be considered normal or okay right that was news in a nutshell sports well, the Toronto Blue Jays had the night off last night as they got their butts kicked in a four-game series over the weekend, losing every single game to the Oakland A's. They will do everything in their power to forget about that as they host the LA Angels tonight at the Rogers Center. First pitch at 7.07. Now I dedicate the weather segment to my wonderful listeners from around the world, new friends of mine and of the show. I love you guys. So in Beirut, Lebanon, you guys are hours ahead when it comes to time. So for your Wednesday, all sunshine, baby, with a high of 28 and a low of 22. In Coolangatta, Australia, I hope you guys are having a wonderful day. Partly cloudy on your Wednesday, a high of 22 and a low of 14. In Tempe, Arizona, the place I love to hate, my brother Paige will obviously be having a beautiful Tuesday with a high of 34, all sunshine and a low of 20. To our newest addition, my friend Vishal in Bahia, India, your Wednesday is going to be hot, 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 a high of 39 degrees and a low of 28. And in Toronto town, we'll be getting some clouds today with moderate temperatures. It could actually rain, a high of 16 and a low of 11. Smile lots, Toronto. Yeah.
Toronto and friends from around the world. How you feeling today? Guys, what an episode. I know it was much longer than usual, but there's nothing more meaningful to me than other people legitimately wanting to help or at the very least share their stories of overcoming fear. And in today's case, dealing with mental illness, it takes so much courage to be able to put aside all your preconceived notions of what is right and wrong and be able to go out and investigate and find this truth for yourself. As we touched upon today, not doing so really leaves you out of touch with what may actually be happening around you. We learned that the term chemical imbalance was initially a marketing ploy to help medicinal companies push their agendas onto people who may have had nothing wrong with them to begin with. And you know what? Diamonds, when it comes to engagement rings, yeah, that's another one of those marketing ploys that's been eaten up by our society. Such a tradition didn't even exist about 100 years ago. Do some research into that one. It's also probably the reason why I don't have a girlfriend. Please check us out on all our social media channels as I'll be linking out to Jermaine and his incredible book. Please, guys, he accepts any form of donations, any amount, uh, and you'll receive a, manu uh, a manuscript of his work. Like, what more do you want? I highly recommend it. And if you contact him, he may even give you that first chapter for free. And guys... I am so happy to have connected with some of you over the weekend. We have a lot more content coming to the show. We already have a new guest lined up for next Monday's episode. There's so much to look forward to on our journey together. And so please, if there's any topic you want me to cover or shed some light on, please reach out to me on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at One Love Podcast. That's at the number one, the word love, the word podcast. I'd love to hear from you, and this is so important to me. Unless, like, you love exactly what I'm doing, which is impossible. But, guys, I'm going to keep doing whatever I can to push you, to care about you, and, of course, to love you. You deserve it, and you need to be reminded as much as possible. Why? Because you are an incredible human being, and I keep saying that to you. But do you keep saying that to yourself? How can we possibly make this world a better place and help each other when we can't even love ourselves? You are so important to me, and I sincerely appreciate your existence and your love. Today is going to be an amazing day. Please remember to smile because you can sure give off some amazing energy when you do. I love you. Please, please subscribe to our channel. I hate asking you this, but you know what to do when you see mom, dad, or grandma's phones. Just go to iTunes, Google Play, or the Anchor app and just subscribe to the channel. It means so much to us. Big shout out to my mom for giving birth to me. I love you, mom. And a shout out to freesfx.co for providing me with those awesome sound effects. If you have any questions and would like to comment on the show, reach out to us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, again, at One Love Podcast. But reach out to us. Don't be shy. Show us some love. We really appreciate your support. And please subscribe to the channel. I'm leaving you off with some happy, upbeat music. So don't turn on that AM radio. Play your favorite song after and be happy, Toronto. Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful Tuesday. Talk tomorrow. One love. Downtown the snowy ground is all I can see. I call this place my home, my wawazi. Different ways to say hello is not new to me. Making up the whole world all in one.
cold outside. We know how to turn it up. Look at all those kids outside. Bet you couldn't guess now where they from. If you wanna be outside, lace them up, I'll show you where. Everyone's gonna meet tonight at Nathan Phillips Square. Look at the skyline. CN Tower so high and bright. My city and that won't ever change Doesn't matter where you're from Deep down we're all the same Different people come and go But still one thing remains You can take the 401 Or TTC by train You can call it what you want But the six is calling my name Summertime is always fine Walking down on Young Street Glittered up for pride Different faces come as one cause we like to eat St. Lawrence Market to the taste of the Greeks I love it when it's warm outside Look at all the beautiful girls They would rather go outside Yorkville shopping making ways to floor If you wanna be outside Place them up, I'll take you there Everyone's gonna meet tonight Party at Dundas Square Look at this nightlife Came to Richmond, the vibe is right Ayo. You're welcome to stay T-Dot is my city and that won't ever change Doesn't matter where you're from Deep down we're all the same Different people come and go But still one thing remains You can take the four Flying with the Jays, dunking with the Raps, TFC, touchdown with the Argos. You can watch CBC and see that they believe the same. T Dot is our city, and that won't ever change. Doesn't matter where you're from, deep down we're all the same. Different people come and go, but still one thing remains. You can take the 401 or TTC by train. Hey Disco, it's Laura. Um, I listened to episode 35 on the way home. I only got about 15 minutes of it. I was totally expecting Celine Dion's Power of Love after the uh, the speech. I haven't actually seen the royal wedding, so I didn't know what was coming. But I thought Celine Dion was going to break out into song, being Canadian. Uh, yeah, so you dropped the ball, mate. You could have added that in there, but you did good. Loved it. Really positive, awesome, happy, love it. Um, honest from the heart genuine like you can feel your genuine um ness I guess in in your voice and and the way you come across you don't sound uh, fake or phony at all so keep up the wicked work uh pump out some Celine Dion next time and cheers